Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ruben's Movies of the Year. And why not just a top 10? Because that would be annoying, because I want to talk about all the movies I saw this year. I mean, this, well, actually, at the recording of this, it is still 2023. But when this will be released, it will, in fact, be the first day of 2020, motherfucking four. Oh, yeah. So I made up my list on uh, Letterboxd, as they, as they call it. Let's take a look at the movies I saw this year. Now, for context, I need to specify this movie is essentially made up of two lists. Movies that I personally chose to see and movies that um, I had uh, clients who wanted to see. Now, for context, my day job is that uh, I help people with disabilities go out into the community to do things. And, uh, and one of those things is go see movies. So some of these movies are movies my clients wanted to see. And uh, that, uh, well, that, uh, that varied quite a bit in terms of quality, let's just say. All right, so let's start off with my very worst movie of the year. This was an easy choice for so many reasons, but my worst movie of the year is Lady Ballers. An incompetent piece of propaganda based on a lie. It's Lady Ballers, the most transphobic, misogynistic movie you'll see this year. It's a mess. It's, ter it's terrible. And it's not, it's misogyny and transphobia aren't even they're not things I can call well done, but like in terms of accomplishing these things, it's bad. Like it's 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 funny how the movie fails at even the thing it's trying to do. Most triggering movie of the year seems to be only interested in offending one specific type of person. Because it treads lightly on eggshells almost around every other topic. Lady Ballers is a sad, pathetic mess. Its, it's attempts at being a sports movie make, it's attempts at being a sports movie make the Air Bud movies look like legitimate sports films. Every single, every single ball game is just a montage, just, a montage. Now that's fine in sports movies for the unimportant sports moments, but it's every game. Not, not a single one of these games has a sense of flow or rhythm or forward progression. They're just random shots of people appearing to play basketball. And quite frankly, most of the time with seemingly no concept of rules for basketball, like the fact that fouls exist. Number 33 on my list, because I saw 34 movies. And number, number 33 was the most uncomfortable movie-going experience of my uh, year. One of my clients wanted to see Paw Patrol. So that was a, a thing I, I took a, uh, a gentleman to see. And uh, I... I as soon as the before show Dora the Explorer cartoon came on, my brain immediately went, this is not a movie for us. 
So, but, you know, uh, he wanted to see it because he thought his nephew would like the movie. So maybe he wanted something to talk to his nephew about. Um, we didn't go with his nephew, so I, I don't understand it entirely, but it is what it is. And Paw Patrol is, look, okay, I'm just, it's not a good movie. Um, it is a higher budget children's film. That's, that's, that's really all there is to it. There's not even... Like, it doesn't even attempt to do the types of humor that you would normally put in a movie for the parents of said children. This is a flat-out toy commercial. Like, that's all it is. Paw Patrol, the Mighty, Patr Mighty Movie, is, is, just, is just a toy commercial uh, for dogs. And, like, the thing that... The most mind-meltingly bizarre thing in the film is that all the main characters are puppies. But... But the movie also features a junior Paw Patrol who are somehow younger puppies. And like my brain is just like, that's what? That, that does not make what? Just so like, I don't, what is the, lo the logic of this universe is baffling. Uh, surprisingly, uh, surprisingly talented voice cast doing with very little to work with. And uh, and now the one positive I'll say is that this movie uh, really does show the influence of Zack Snyder because even this movie, even Paw Patrol, has some Zack Snyder style cinematography action shots in it. And they don't... Like, the movie's not funny enough to feel like parody of superheroes. And, like, at no point does it feel like what it's making fun of is superheroes. Even though it is technically a superhero movie. It's definitely the worst superhero movie of the year. But I can't call it the worst comic book movie of the year. Because I don't think Paw Patrol is based on a comic book. Number 32, The Expend Forables. Uh, honestly, I didn't think this movie would... I didn't find this movie boring. However, I had to dock it a lot of points for being A, uh, nonsense, and B, um, despite the fact that the choreography has been stepped up a notch, the camera work has not. And, but three, its most egregious problem is that like, so number, the third Expendables movie was seriously criticized for being PG-13. So in the marketing for this movie, they went hard on the fact that this is an R-rated movie. The problem is, is that absolutely all of the gore and blood in the movie is CGI and it looks like absolute trash. Like it, like the, like it's like, I would prefer to actually see a PG-13 movie of this version where I don't see the worst looking gore I've ever seen. Just what happened to practical gore effects? What, do we not employ those people anymore? Cause it looks better. It always looks better. Number 31, House Party. Now, I'll be clear here. I don't hate this movie either. Um, but a friend of mine recently introduced me to the first House Party movie. And I still need to see the rest of the House Party movies because I really should do a, a video on them. Uh, not vid episode. Not all of you are watching this in videos. That always fucks me up in my brain a little bit. But anyways, House Party... Um, I will say that the Kid Cuddy stuff is pretty funny. It's the movie is moderately amusing at best, but like 
having now seen the original house party movie it's clear how this movie is just a pale commercial imitation of something that was actually quite um different for its time and a good and a solid coming of age type film the new house party movie is just about slackers throwing a party um in lebron james's house because lebron james is a producer of the film uh and yeah no the funniest part's kid cuddy kid cuddy is objectively the best part of the movie he just has and he's playing himself and he's hilarious as himself uh the rest of the movie is just kind of meh number 30 evil dead rise okay so i i know some of you are like what ruben how could you possibly put this movie so low and the answer is this uh because I'm all about subtext in movies, and the subtext of Evil Dead Rise is bad. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The overtext, like the overall Evil Dead movie, is actually pretty solid, which is why it's so frustrating that the movie has this really confused, messy, fucking uh, pro-life, anti-abortion subtext. Like, okay, so in all horror movies... Uh, in, in all horror movies, certain types of behavior are being punished. Like, if you pay attention to horror movies, they're about certain types of behavior being punished. Um, and in Evil Dead, that behavior that's being punished is having non-traditional families and, uh, and getting abortions. And also, the movie just has so many, like, references two abortion concepts just like throughout and like the it's in the dialogue the action one of the characters has had an abortion it's this is a movie about abortion and like the thing about it is is that most of it reads like abortion is bad but at the same time the movie is about a literal intruder physically in another person's body that really needs to not be in there so that kind of confuses what typically at numerous points throughout feels like a very pro-life deal with that one reality that seems incongruous with the rest of the film. It looks great. It, it's got good acting. Its gore and violence look significantly better than a number of movies on this list. But like, I can't get over the weird pro-life messaging. I have a I have an episode about this that you can uh, that you can listen to. Um, it's on YouTube also. Number twenty nine, The Meg Two, The Trench. I this movie almost a guilty pleasure for me to be honest. I understand why everyone's complaining. This movie this movie literally is relying on Jason Statham to do all the heavy lifting for it though. Um, also the CGI varies from not bad to not good um so like the meg so like the movie series i would actually compare the meg series to the most is jurassic park because both movies have that jurassic park energy vibe you know like that specific level of action adventure it's trying to hit that sort of thing that level of both camp but also not too much camp that lands you're right in the 
family horror film picture area that Jurassic Park nailed in its first movie. And I will say the Meg 2 kind of feels a little bit like a like a weaker Jurassic Park sequel. Uh, and uh, yeah. And the movie's relying entirely on Jason State. I mean, to like, to like carry it and he does his best but it was a movie sold about being about a giant shark not jason statham no offense to jason statham i'm a huge fan uh so like people aren't going to be captivated by jason statham doing super jason statham stuff i get it only jason statham fans are there for that and i guess there's some basis for leaning into that a little bit more but a lot of people are just here to see sharks eat people Know what I'm saying? I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it also wasn't super memorable. Um, Jason Statham has a kid in it, uh, which gave it a kind of a Lost World vibe. If you if you want to watch something that you really don't have to think a lot about and you kind of like Jason Statham, you could do worse. But there's a like small percentage chance I have a better Jason Statham movie on this list somewhere. Actually, oh shit, I'm a huge Jason Statham fan. And so far, he has been in two of the worst films I saw this year. In both situations, also, the Meg 2 is better if you're high. Smoke some of that legal weed, Ohio. Uh, Jason Statham is the best part of both of these movies. He's just carrying them on his back. So hard, like, he, someone get that man a trust. Number 28, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I actually thought that this was one of the better Transformers movies I've seen recently. That being said, it's also unspectacular. The humans are better. This has some of the best humans in a Transformers movie. At the end of the day, though, it's just another Transformers movie. And I had to dock some points for it because whoever wrote it has never played a goddamn game movie. There's a line in the movie where the kid says he's almost beaten Bowser on a classic Game Boy Mario game. Except there are no Mario games on the Game Boy where the main villain is fucking Bowser. (sighs) (sighs) Fucking Wikipedia some Game Boy games. Jesus, writers. Number 27. Trolls band together. Um, first we'll get the plus the positives for trolls band together out of the way. It looks great. Like it is a visual stunner. In a year full of badly looking shit, trolls band together is super detailed, crisp, and has an artistic style made to be tripping balls to. It looks great. That being said, its story is also very meh. And it's, it's, I'm not a fan, not a, I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan of the music from the Trolls movies, okay? Uh, my, da- my daughter liked the first movie when she was younger. I don't know how she feels about the new ones. But like, I just don't care about this jukebox musical that the thing is doing. And, and I've only seen the first Trolls movie and this third one. I haven't seen the second. No idea what I missed. But like, I just, I'm not, like, write some original music. Make it sound like I'm not just listening to the radio. I mean, one could claim that Disney music in their movies is too samey, but, like, at at least they kind of have a style, you know? 
not like Trolls that doesn't have a style. It's just regurgitating songs we've all heard. I don't like it. Next, uh, next up, number 26, Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear is... Cocaine Bear, it's fine. Cocaine Bear is fine. It, it's, it has its moments, but it's, it's just... It's, it, it delivers on exactly what it promises, um, which is Cocaine Bear. Uh, there's not much more to it. There's, there's, there's really, I mean, like there's characters and they have like a little bit of a story. and But like at the end of the day, it's like a, it's cocaine bear. You know from the name, you already love or hate this movie. If the name cocaine bear makes you want to see this movie, then yeah, just go in with moderate expectations. If you heard that and thought, well, that sounds like something I would get off the shelf of a family video back in 2006. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it looks better than that movie probably would have. But it's going to deliver about this. It's, it's, it has a better cast and, and, it, and it looks better than that movie visually. But it's not going to be much more than it. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Number 25, Renfield. Uh, Renfield was, I mean, Renfield was okay. It has all the make marks of a, like, it has all the marks of a cult classic in the making, but it's not a cult classic for me. Like it just, I mean, I'm not going to deny the whole um, Nicolas Cage as Dracula factor, which makes it worth seeing, but like, it, it's fine. It was okay. It, it, I can see other people being really into this movie. It's, it's just not me. Uh, a little bit, I wanted more. I was expecting more. It, I was underwhelmed. Okay, so my bottom of the barrel comic book movie of the year wasn't that bad, I guess. But uh, I got to go with Batman the Doom that came to Gotham. It was, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I am not in to the DC um animations that have been going on for the last decade or so some of them are fine but a lot of them are just like really abridged versions of comic book stories and like i like i i just the advantage to doing a the advantage to doing an original story versus an abridged version of a comic book story i actually don't know if this is an abridged version of a comic book story my point is, is that I'm not a big fan of these. They're all like maybe an hour and a half if you're lucky, um, which is weirdly enough, frequently not enough time for a comic book movie to take on any real depth. Um, it, it's 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 Batman versus Cthulhu, and that sounds more awesome than it is. It's fine. It's okay. I've forgotten most of it already. Number 23, though, is another comic book movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, if you listen to my review, I said it really wasn't that bad because it's not that bad. Listen, I'm, I'm on a quest to watch all the comic book movies ever made. And let me tell you, even the worst comic book movie that came out this year is better than some of the comic book movies that came out in the 90s. Like, I don't think you understand how bad comic book movies used to be. Think about video game movies 
prior to this year. Yeah. Um, but Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, honestly, it's not the worst Ant-Man movie. That's still Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second movie. Hate that movie. That movie is like the worst MCU movie. It's barely a film. It feels like something you put on in a car to keep a very annoying child quiet for a while. I hate it. I absolutely loathe that movie. Like, it is bad. It's got an entire plot line that exists only to create a chase scene at, at the end of the movie. It's just not good. It's just not good. Uh, that being said, Quantum Mania uh, is at least better than that movie. Quantum Mania, I can, I can see what they're going for here. I thought Kang was great in this, to be honest. Um, I liked that it was a little bit darker than other Ant-Man movies, although not really. It was still pretty, you know, Ant-Man-y, which means it's a little cheesy. But uh, I don't know. It's a silly movie. You can tell it's by the writer, uh, former writer of Rick and Morty. Although how much you get out of this movie will probably have a lot to do with how you feel about MODOK. I've always thought MODOK was stupid, so I was fine with it. Moving on to Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is a perfectly good slasher movie. That was really predictable, and I saw every turn coming. And, and when you stop to think about some of the kills, they don't really make any sense. Like, like that woman have, would, would not have cooked right in the oven. There's a reason we take all the guts out of a turkey. So like you can't like you can't really cook a person alive is what I'm saying. They would shit themselves in the oven. That would get baked in. No one's gonna want to eat that. You you would have to clean a human being like a like any other animal you were cooking, is what I'm saying. I understand that it's a horrific like horror movie thing, but like it would not have worked out for his meal. Also, don't don't make the first time we see the bad guy with the mask on us be able to see his hair. Like that gave it away to me immediately. Like I just literally went through the movie going, okay, well, he's got the wrong hair. 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 And it worked out for me. Like I just, other than that, it's fun. Other than that, it is a perfectly fine slasher. You just have to turn your brain off and go in to see people get murdered. Uh, definitely one of my, Actually, one of my favorite Eli Roth movies. I don't really like Eli Roth. Next up, Tony One, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Shazam, Fury of the Gods is a very mixed bag. <clears throat> so the first Shazam has a really nice grounded element to it, even with its silliness and its camp. The whole thing where the story... In that movie, we feel Billy Batson's journey into this family. And it feels natural and feels well-developed, and it works. The action in that movie is a little underwhelming, but it's serviceable. Now, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is kind of the opposite of that, where the action is significantly better than the first movie. Significantly. Even if the final act is just ripping off the final act of Batman versus Superman which it is, but it's also awesome. 
so the problems with the movie are this. Zachary Levi feels like more of a child than the... He feels like more of a child than the person who plays the actual child version of him, who is like, he's like, a, he's almost an adult now, I think. Shazam was always going to be weird to adapt because of the kid thing. Like, it's hard to hide the fact that Shazam can't be a kid forever. Because in the comic books, he's, 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 it took forever to make him a teenager. Uh... So the problem is, is the other problem with Shazam Fury of the Gods is Shazam Fury of the Gods has a distinctively, this is the second movie in a trilogy vibe. And the thing is, is that now a lot of people will say, oh, the second movie in a trilogy is always the best. But that's not always true. We think that because a number of the most iconic trilogies are that way. But there is a, another option for second movie in a series outcome, which is that the movie has severe sequelitis and feels more like a stepping stone to that actual final chapter where we would have met Mr. Mind. But we're never going to get that because this movie chose to bring in some okay villains that no one knows from the comic books uh, I actually don't even know if they're from the comic books. I don't know if this is if this is trying to relay an actual story or not. Is what I'm saying. But honestly, I had a fine time with it. It has decent action. It's just a little sloppy around the edges, and the and it doesn't have the same heart as the first movie. Um, like it, what it's doing with its emotional core is a lot more obvious and not nearly as as endearing it's fine it's not incredible but it's perfectly serviceable uh fun time with a with the diverse shazamly who technically uh technically brought uh some ethnicities to superheroes a little before some other movies Although, in fairness, those other movies were solo movies. And they weren't just supports to the uh, handsome white gentleman. Also, Zachary Levi needs to shut the fuck up. He has quickly become one of the most annoying people in Hollywood with the way he shoots off his mouth. Like, man needs a filter. Number 20, Creed. Creed 3, actually. I've never seen any of the other Creed movies, but this one was pretty good. Uh, yeah, no. I felt like a solid movie. Felt like, uh, uh, felt like, uh, Michael B. Jordan did a solid job as a first time director. And I didn't really feel like I needed to see the movie, the other movies to get into or understand what was happening in this one. It was pretty good. I might have raised it higher if I'd seen the others. I don't know. Number 19, The Little Mermaid. Um, I actually thought that this was, uh, was a fun film. Fun little film. Uh, there are some questionable elements to it, but um, overall, it honestly, I didn't think it was bad. Didn't think it was bad at all. Perfectly good movie. Uh, it's a shame it costs so goddamn much that it couldn't turn a profit, but uh, other than that, no, I thought it was good.
not really my jam, generally speaking. Otherwise, maybe be higher. Number 18, The Marvels. Uh, honestly, I thought The Marvels was good. Fun time. Better than Captain Marvel. I thought it was a, actually, in certain ways, a marked improvement. I mean, sure, it's it's not a deep movie. It's kind of a silly movie at times. But like... But, like, there's great chemistry. The action scenes are notably better than the first movie. Um, the overall gimmick of the film works. And um, even my mom, who hadn't seen the movie, the TV show is required to, quote, unquote, required to understand what was happening in this movie, had a good time. I'll be fair, my mom uh, is, uh, is pretty big into action-adventure movies and is pretty good at accepting uh, that she might not have seen other movies in the series. Not everyone's like that. But, uh, you know, actually, honestly, I thought it was fine. Good time. Not the best Marvel movie ever, hardly. But honestly, fun. Saw X or Saw 10. Actually, I liked pretty much everything uh, from here on out. I mean, technically, I liked Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, but it is, it is, you know, like... A, both the Marvels and Quantumania are like just okay. Oh my God. I Oh, I know. I did put it in here. Never mind. Sorry. For a minute, I thought I for a second I forgot to thought I forgot to rank Aquaman. I did not. All right. Uh, but yeah, Saw X. Um, is this my horror movie of the year? Oh yeah. I guess Saw X is my horror movie of the year. Uh honestly, I thought it was really good. I thought Saw X was really good. Really enjoyed it um it had nice it had good traps um the fact that it focused on tobin bell's character really uh really elevated the material it was good um honestly it's it's probably top top three or four saw movies although to be fair that's because there's a pretty big drop off after the third saw movie but this is still really this one was still really good number 16 blue beetle Blue Beetle. I Blue Beetle is just fun. Blue Beetle is just a fun movie. Um, honestly, it's it's only lowered down because, like a lot of the other superhero movies in this area, it's just not incredible. Like so, what's really going on right now is that we're getting a lot of superhero movies that are just good and not great, and they're by comparison not delivering for some people the same way because some people's brains are going to work like drug addicts and they need progressively better and better movies. Um, but the reality is that we can't maintain that kind of quality at this also this type of pace. So when you have this many movies coming out, like these are perfectly good movies. They just, they just aren't next level. Not, they're not next tier. You know what I'm saying? Now, real quick, I also want to take a moment to say that there were a lot of movies that came out this year that I really wanted to see that I, oh, that's what I fucking forgot to put on here. I totally forgot to put Five Nights at Freddy's on this list, which I did see. Where would I put Five Nights at Freddy's? Uh, right above Trolls, right above Trolls. So Trolls would actually be number 28 and Five Nights at Freddy's would be number 27. Uh, and you know, I could just all of them down. No, so that would make Lady Ball is actually 35, 
should have been a better, more even number. Wish I had remembered to put Five Nights at Freddy's on this list. Uh, did I like Five Nights at Freddy's? I thought it was fine. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. It looked good. Like, it actually was like, oh, the people who shot this know how to shoot a movie. That's that's cool. Um, But, like, once again, it was just another movie where it's like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, like my understanding is that all the uh, all the fans of Five Nights at Freddy's liked it. I mean, it's pretty derivative, if you think about it. Just saying. But, I mean, it was... It was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be an absolute shambles. Uh, but it, what it ultimately is just a PG-13 horror movie that where most of the most horrible things are just implied. But yeah, there were a lot of movies I wanted to see this year that I didn't get a chance to see. Uh, things like The Boy and the Heron. Uh, oh, it's escaping me. There was another movie I really wanted to see. But, oh, I, I, I'm sh- I heard terrible things, but I did really want to see Silent Night because I'm a big Joe. I like John Woo. If you're like, oh man, I'm surprised Ruben didn't see that movie. Well, you know, uh, I can't see every movie I'm poor. Um, Some of these movies I get to see for free because my theater has a discount for people who help people with disabilities go to the movies, which helps. Let's move on. Number 15, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Um, in certain ways, I do, in certain ways, I do think that the first movie is better in certain ways, but this movie is a little bit more fun in certain ways. For starters, Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, uh, is a much better comedic foil to Jason Momoa than uh than Amber Heard was. Like they they have significantly better uh chemistry than Aquaman and Amber Heard than Jason Momoa and Amber Heard. Much better uh on-screen chemistry. Amber Heard's barely in the movie. Um but my fa- my favorite part about the fact that she's barely in the movie is actually the fact that there was a trailer released where they used Hey guys, remember that trailer that Warner Brothers put out that uh, had doctored footage from the Snyder Cut of Wonder Woman's funeral pyre to make it look like Mira had died in the film? Pepperidge Farms remembers. Yeah, well, she doesn't die. Um, the trail they they specifically made a trailer to make you think she might, which that might have pissed some people off. Warner Brothers, don't do that. <laughs> Uh, she's fine in the movie. She's barely in it. Um, one of those deals, you know, like in The Expendables where a character gets hurt, so they're out of the movie, most of the movie, because they couldn't afford him or something. In this case, it was to be like, oh, let's get her the fuck out of here, and then spread a lot of stories about how we hated working with her so that people might like us better. Oh, the backlash against Amber Heard is intense. But uh, Aquaman 2 is very cheesy. I, I have to say that. Um it's got a stronger villain, ironically. Uh, still has Orm in it, but he works better as a character we're rooting for. Um, Black Manta's good. I actually liked what they did with uh, Dr. Dr. Shin. Whoever Randall Park plays. Um, all I can really say beyond that is release the dead baby cut, you cowards. 
All right, moving on to number 14. Had a lot of fun. Saw this movie twice. Uh, once with my mom and once with my client. And uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is a delight. It's absolutely fun time. Absolutely recommend Dungeons and Dragons, especially if you play Dungeons and Dragons. This movie does, a, despite the fact that it, it at no point alludes to players outside the movie playing these characters, it still manages to absolutely capture the spirit of, of being part of a Dungeons and Dragons party. Absolutely recommend. Number 13, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I thought this movie was good. I don't care what you fucking think. It's still the third best Indiana Jones movie. Third best. So what if it was a movie about the fact that he's old and dying? Everybody's getting old and dying sometime. Why not make an Indiana Jones movie about that? Also, I thought that the one girl was perfectly fine. I don't know why she bothered people. Number 12, Napoleon. Um, the lesser of the, of the Oscar bait movies I saw this year. But at the same time, still really entertaining. Really, honestly, parts of it are hilarious. Um, just be forewarned, it has some of the least sexy sex you will ever see in a movie. It has some of the funniest sex you'll ever see in a movie. That's Napoleon. I also have a review of this up somewhere. Number 11, The Flash. I enjoyed The Flash. It almost made my top 10. That being said, yes, I understand that most of you probably checked out of this movie because it either A, starred Ezra Miller, who has problems, and B, that fucking baby scene at the beginning of the movie. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. That baby, the CGI in that baby scene is terrible. And I can totally understand why that, why that part of the movie may have alienated some people. But it gets better after that. It really does. And there's some really, there's some really heartfelt shit in this movie. Like the part where he says goodbye to his mom and stuff. Honestly, it's really well done. Um, there's just some really bad CGI throughout. But now we're into my top 10. Number 10, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Uh, easily the best video game movie ever made. It, it just is. This was a winning year for animation, by the way. Even the animation I shit on looked good. But honestly, as a Super Mario Brothers fan my whole life, the Super Mario Brothers movie just hit. And Jack Black is Bowser. Seth Rogen's voice shockingly working that well for Donkey Kong. It's just great. Number nine, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, a.k.a. the best Ninja Turtles movie. I have a ranking of the previous Ninja Turtles movies, and it now feels incredibly incomplete because this movie is not there at the top of that list. Absolutely. If you love the Ninja Turtles, you got to see this movie. Absolutely great. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is number eight. Um, best Marvel movie I've seen in a few years. A lot of the a lot of comic book movies this year had trouble hitting those emotional 
deeper notes. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 absolutely did. Absolutely did. Um, which is why it's above the Flash, who also did a good job of hitting some slightly more depth areas, um, even if it suffered significantly worse CGI situations. Guardians of the Galaxy, no, actually some of the best CGI in a comic book movie this year. Didn't look bad at all. Looks good the whole time I was watching it. Number seven, The Iron Claw. Give Zac Efron an Oscar, or at least nominate him. He's at least deserved that much for this film. He is phenomenal in it. Number six, John Wick Chapter 4. Probably the best action movie of the year. I'm, I can't lie to you. I forget what... We'll see. John Wick Chapter, chapter 4 just delivers on so many levels i it's such a good ending that i now am very concerned about what john wick chapter five might do because yeah john wick chapter four delivers in so many ways the action is incredible the set pieces are stunning it's shot great. It's choreography is great. But also, it is a genuinely different chapter in the series where we experience John Wick finally getting what he's looking for. A chance to grieve the woman he loves. Number five, most underrated movie of the year. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with people. The creator was awesome. The creator is awesome. I get it. I get it. It's technically stuff we've seen before in terms of various parts of its science fiction-y world. But we'd also seen them before that, okay? There are going to be lots of movies about humans interacting with AI. And the creator just happens to be one of the ones with the most gut punch to it. Absolutely stunning film. Good action, great CGI, some really strong emotional moments. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Number four, Killers of the Flower Moon. It's three and a, it's almost three and a half hours. It's three and a half hours. It's, oh, it's roughly three and a half hours long, including the credits. And yet, I could not tear myself away from this movie. It is phenomenally well done, well paced, and entertaining. Uh, and uh, is it Lily Gladstone? I want to say that's her name. She deserves best actress. I'm sorry, Margot Robbie, you were great, but I'm going to give it to this. I would say this this nice lady over here from Killers of the Flower Moon should get the Oscar for for best act for best uh, for best actress. I'm sorry. And I'm especially sorry since Barbie's my number three movie. Uh, it's great. Comedy of the year. Lots of, stunningly much more subversive than I would have ever expected a Barbie movie to be. It's fun. It's, it's a good ride. Um, it's got great stuff in it. Absolutely stunning stuff. Oh, there's another movie I wish I'd seen. Rebel Moon. Didn't get a chance to see Rebel Moon, although... Honestly, there's a part of me that doesn't even care about the PG-13 cut 
like like just from the reviews that I've read, both positive and negative, my brain is already like, it sounds like this was always meant to be the three hour movie. Why would you release, you know, why would you release the neutered for kids version first? I, you know, like why? But that's neither here nor there. I understand wanting to have a PG-13 for younger audiences. I get that. But like, Either release them at the same time or release the PG-13 one second. Obviously, it's not going to get as many views that way, but that's not really what you need, though. Is it Netflix? What you really need is continuing subscribers. Let's move back to Barbie, because Barbie was dope. Definitely go see Barbie. I don't know why Barbie is the movie that made me think of, the, of Rebel Moon, but Barbie's great. Number two, Oppenheimer. Uh, Oppenheimer is, I saw a shocking number of biopics and historical dramas this year, and those are not types of films I would normally choose to go see. They're all really good. Oppen I'm, a, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan, and uh, I don't know, Oppenheimer just is good. Dark good but my number one movie of the year i've gone back and forth on this honestly anything in the top anything in like the top 10 i could have probably switched around at some point uh, i guess i wouldn't have given ninja turtles number one but i'm going with spider-man across the spider-verse i know there's a part of me that wants to penalize it for being the first part for being that middle movie in a trilogy that is technically not complete. But should that be a thing we're penalizing stories for? I don't know. The Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse grabbed me and it did not let go. It grabbed me from moment one. The film is absolutely stunning to look at. Absolutely stunning. I cannot wait for the for the conclusion to this trilogy. Why can't all the Sony Spider-Man movies be this good? Like, what's going on, Sony? Clearly, you have some people who get it. I hope they're talking to those people who get it. I really, really do. But yeah, now going Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse for number one. Ruben, you're a silly nerd, is probably what you're thinking. How could you possibly pick that movie over Oppenheimer or Barbie or Killers of the Flower Moon? And the answer to your question is, I don't know. But I just did. All right, well, thank you for listening or watching or tuning. I should start saying tuning in. I got to train my brain to do that. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this, and I hope to see more of you in this coming new year. God bless. Have a good one, wherever you are, whenever you are, wherever you are.